1 Timothy 6, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and we look forward to what God has for us this evening, and uh, as we know, certainly by now, um, we are um, in this series, Last Days Theology, looking at the emerging church, the contemporary movement, and I believe these weekly uh, Bible studies have been a help to you, and uh, I think uh, they have uh, strengthened us, and tonight uh, I'm going to uh, get into one that um, it, it's, it, it, needs to be, it needs to be covered, and we're going to cover it tonight, and I mentioned to you kind of jokingly at the beginning that I have a long one, but I wasn't joking. Uh, it is a little bit longer tonight, but uh, I believe I'll keep your attention uh, with it this evening. We've got to remember that uh, we have an adversary, we have an enemy, and he's real, and he hates you, he hates me, he hates God, he hates the church, and he is constantly, through time, is constantly working against the truth, against the Word of God. Genesis chapter number 3 reminds us, now the serpent was more subtle. Uh, all the way back at the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, he was quoting just enough truth mixed with error to convince Eve that she could go outside of what God has said. Fast forward all of these hundreds of years, these thousands of years, and it's the same trick being used in the contemporary movement, the emerging church movement, taking just enough truth, Mixing it with error, and it was it is it is it is hatched in the pits of hell by Satan himself. And I hope these Bible studies have shown you this. And tonight, I'm going to show another way where the serpent is very very subtle. Uh, but we're going to cover some things that will be a help to you. I do not want you think back to the very first one we talked about this year. Uh, we we want to be grounded in the truth so we're not tossed by every wind of doctrine. Um, and, and sadly, it's not just uh, happening in the church pew, but it's happening with men behind the uh, pulpits who are either novices or they're not sober, they're not serious-minded, and they're not grounded, they're tossed by every wave of doctrine. I want us to be grounded so we don't get deceived, we don't get fooled, uh, but I want us to be equipped with Scripture to help other people. Uh, a lot of people... Um, have fallen into these types of quote-unquote churches and they've been deceived. Uh, I want to give them the truth uh, so that they can be delivered from their deception. And so I better uh, get into the Bible study tonight or we will not get out of here. Uh, second Tim, or first Timothy, chapter number 6, the last two verses of the book of Second Timothy. We know First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus referred to as the pastoral epistles. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. He has given him instruction on things to do, to care for, uh, things that should be uh, prevalent in his life, things for him not to uh, have in his life. And so we come to the end of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. 
All right, chapter 2 of the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading in verse number 14. 2 Timothy 2, verse 14. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto, uh, unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat, at, eat as doth the canker, of whom is Hymenus and Felicius, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Tonight we're going to look at these two passages of Scripture, which are uh, parallel passages which are tied together with a central theme. And tonight, I, if you look at verse 17, and their word will eat as doth a canker. Tonight I want to teach on the corruption of vain words. The corruption of vain words. Father, we need your help tonight. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God, uh, give me clarity of mind. May uh, you allow us to... Uh, learn uh, from your book this evening. May we be wiser uh, as we leave tonight. Uh, may we be armed with Scripture to defend the truth, to hold to the truth. And uh, may we hear as Paul admonishes O Timothy to keep that which has been committed to him. Uh, may we also accept that challenge to keep to us, that we will keep that which has been committed to us. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In these two passages of Scripture, uh, if you look in verse number 20 of chapter number 6 of the book of 1 Timothy, it says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings. Uh, chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, uh, in verse number 14, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit. Verse number 16, but shun profane and vain babblings. Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and we know because we've spent a lot of time in chapter 3 and chapter 4 of the book of 2 Timothy, all the different instructions that Paul gives to Timothy. Uh, you better watch for this. In the last days, perilous times shall come. 1 Timothy is not much different than, than the book of 2 Timothy, and he has all these warnings for him, and in the midst of these warnings, he brings up words. Those that use words, he calls them vain babblings. He, he mentions in verse 20, in oppositions of science, falsely so-called, everything that is the opposite of faith, you and I ought to be suspicious of. You know, I don't have to understand everything there is to know uh, about uh, some things. I just got. I believe some things by faith. You know, I believe that God created the heaven and the earth. I don't need a scientist to tell me that. I, by faith, confirmed by the Holy Spirit of God, I believe that. And so Paul is warning against words. There's phraseology in wordplay that the emerging church, the contemporary movement, like to use. Let me give you some of them, and then later in the Bible study, about 9.30, I'll refer back to them and give you some clarity on them. But I'm going to use some of the words that they use 
not to defend their belief, but to attack your belief, my belief, to attack those that hold to the old-time religion, if you will, the Word of God. I'm just going to run through the list. list. I'm not going to comment on them, give commentary on them now. I will get back to that. Here's some, some phraseology and wordplay you'll hear from the contemporary movement, the emerging church movement. Man worship, unaffiliated Baptist, postmodern, millennial, purpose-driven, in the originals, I love Jesus, not the church, authentic worship, a church purpose statement. Uh, I will comment on that one. Why are we having purpose statements for a church? We love God. We serve others. We're here for the community. That's not the purpose statement Jesus gave the church. So, yeah, I can't get bogged down there. Anyway, it's not that hard. Missional. Relationship with Christ. And this argument of, well, hymns were contemporary when they were written. That's an easy one. Well, let me draw your attention back. Stay with me. We'll be an introduction for a little bit, and we'll get to the outline. Verse 20, chapter 6, 2 Timothy. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Let me give you an important principle here. There are things out here that have not been committed for me to keep to my trust. But there are things that have been committed. What has been committed? The truth has been committed to my trust. Doctrine has been committed to my trust. The faith has been committed to my trust. That is what I am concerned about. That's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to preach about. That's what I want to teach. That's what I want to pass down to my children and your children and the next generation so that generations to come have it. That is what I have been committed. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Hey, Paul, Paul is teaching about the faith and, 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 and the truth and doctrine. He reminds him in 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. He says, put them in remembrance of the things, and we don't, I want you to understand the principle more than, than, than exactly the things, but you can go back and, and read. He's listing several things. He says, if you cause them to remember that, in, in, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days, you remind them all these things, you'll be a good minister. He says, but you put them in remembrance. He doesn't say, go get something new and add to. He says, put them in remembrance. It's hard to bring somebody to remembrance if you're introducing new terminology, new systems, new items. You're not putting them into remembrance. You're asking them to learn new things. Everybody with me? Verse number 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, of these things, put them in remembrance. He is saying, keep, and there's other places, but we'll stick to these two. He's saying, remember. 
He's always going back to remember. If you read the, the, the letters to the churches that he writes, it's a lot of remembrance and, and looking back on what God has done and keeping the faith. If, I, if, if, if Timothy got from Paul what he is supposed to keep, and he did, everybody with me? He's supposed to remember what he got. A lot of pastoring is just getting the people to remember what they've already been told. Remember what they've already read. Remember what, they've, what has already been preached. Sometimes I think I can preach the same sermon every Sunday. Anyway, just to re- remember. Okay? In verse 14, he says, Of these things put them in remembrance. What is he saying to remember? Look at verse number 2 of the same chapter. In the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. He's saying, you remember what I gave you. Where did Paul get the doctrine that he laid down, that he gave to Timothy? From Jesus Christ himself. Where did Paul get the truth that he passed to Timothy? From Jesus Christ. Where did he get the faith that he got? From Jesus Christ. That is what has been passed down. He says, Timothy, you remember, you bring them into remembrance of what? The faith. Kind of like we're supposed to, to, to preach about the faith that has been passed down from the Lord Jesus Christ. That which has been passed down to us from the Word of God. I, as a preacher, am not supposed to look for that which is new. I'm supposed to remember that which has been handed down to me. I'm supposed to remind you what we have in the truth of the Word of God. If you have new truth, it's not truth. Because all truth comes from Scripture. If you have new doctrine, it's not doctrine. Because doctrine comes from the Word of God. It really is not hard to come up with something to preach because it's just the same old stuff just over and over and over and over again. Now, we have a book that is so deep, we can never exhaust it, we can never master it, and, 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 and you might could preach 14 sermons from the life of Gideon, it's so deep, I don't know. But you, you're never going to master it, but it's the same old truth. How many times do we have a guest preacher come in and preach and some of you go to them and say, I've never heard that before. And I had preached it three months earlier, but you weren't paying attention. It was just a different voice packaged in an inferior way. And you just, you just, but it's the, it's the same truth. Was there something, something happened? No, it's the same truth because we're supposed to remember. Matter of fact, when I, wanna, when I have a revival, I want a preacher to come in and just remind you. He don't need to pre- he's not going to preach to you anything you haven't heard before. It's all about remembering. He says, Timothy, you remember. Paul warns, writes to Timothy and warns him of a danger to what God has entrusted him with. He says, Timothy, keep that which has been committed. In verse 2 of chapter 2, he says, The things that I have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You take that and pass it on. He goes into being a, a good soldier, not being entangled with the affairs of this life. 
says, you remember that He warns him of a danger to him being able to keep it. See, when we receive the faith, the devil hates the faith. The enemy hates the faith. They want to destroy the faith. They, Satan cannot change truth into error. Truth is truth. He cannot defeat error. That's why he will not have a debate on the account of, let's just show your truth, let's show God's truth and whichever truth, because there's only one truth. And so what he wants to do, what he tries to do, and he's been very successful for centuries, is when somebody receives the faith, he, he works in a way where either they set it down and depart from it, but even that is better than having him add to it and pass it down. Because once it is added to, it is no longer truth. And now we have a false salvation passed down, false victory passed down, and nothing but bondage. Are you following me? He says there is a danger to you keeping. There's a danger to you passing on. He says it in verse number 20 of chapter 6, avoiding profane and vain babblings. In chapter 2, verse 14, he says, charging them before the Lord, they strive not about words to no profit. In verse 16, he makes the same statement again. You see it? But shun profane and vain babblings. That word profane, does not, he's not just referring to profanity. See, there's the holy and there's the profane. That which is of God is holy. That which is of the world is profane. There's supposed to be a difference. He says, shun. Uh, vain and pro, uh, profane and vain babblings. <clears throat> that is the danger. He said the words are danger. Vain babblings are danger. Remember some of those phrases that I used at the beginning? That we hear there's buzzwords, these statements that mean absolutely nothing. But there's a purpose to them. They're, they're designed with a plan. Let, let's get into the outline, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll wrap it up uh, at the end. Uh, but first of all, I want you to see this about the words, the warning here. Look with me in verse number 14 of chapter 2. Of these things, put them in remembrance. We understand the importance of putting them in remembrance. Charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. It's not a coincidence that he says, have them remember what they've heard. And then he addresses the words to no profit. That's not, that, that's not a coincidence. That's on purpose. Uh, the words are on purpose. Notice what he says. Uh, Strive not about words to no profit. These are words that have no benefit. No building. No strengthening. You can put 
cute, cliche words in a religious setting, and it does nothing for you. It does nothing to build you. It does, no matter how many times I say the word worship up here, it's not going to strengthen you to carry your burden. No matter how many times I talk about how authentic we are, it's not getting the gospel across the street. These words do nothing. And Satan has, has deceived a whole host of people in thinking the more I use these words of no profit, the more spiritual I am, the more right I am, uh, the more okay I am. And friend, you can talk in, in, the, in these cliches all you want, and it does nothing to build the Christian. It does nothing to edify. It does nothing to get the gospel to the lost. That's why our mission statement of our church is found in Acts chapter 1 in verse number 8. Our purpose is the Great Commission. That's what it is. It doesn't matter. We could all get in here and I could teach you in a bunch of cliches, in a bunch of buzzwords, so that you could feel hip and we're on the cutting edge, but it wouldn't do a thing for your spiritual life because they're words to no profit. Can I help some of you tonight in your Christian life? The devil never wanted you to get saved. Once you got saved, he knows he cannot take your soul to hell. But he wants to do anything he can do to keep you from fulfilling the purpose God has for your life. He wants to keep you from ever giving the gospel or having a part in anybody else ever getting the gospel. He would be okay... He's lost you. He can't take your soul now. You're in the hand of God. But he'd be okay with you being deceived, thinking you're growing, thinking you're okay, and doing nothing for the cause of Christ. You know what the church is supposed to do? It's supposed to advance the cause of Christ. You know what the Christian is supposed to do? We're supposed to advance the cause of Christ. But we can sit around and we can use words like missional. And we can talk about the paradigm that exists today. And we can contextualize the scripture in with our society. And we can have strategy meetings of how to do that. And we can talk about how we are a vintage church. And we are so authentic that when the world sees us, they're going to just say, I want to get saved because I believe you're real. Now, I don't know if that's how it happened in the scripture. I take that back. I do know. That's not how it happened in Scripture. Because when the Philippian jailer fell at the feet of Paul and Silas and said, what must I do to be saved? They weren't talking about a, a paradigm and they weren't contextualizing Scripture with the society. They were singing praise unto the Lord and the Holy Spirit of God moved in a way that he had never seen move before. And that man said, I got to have that. Words to no profit. There's a lot of good people save people who are doing nothing for God. There are churches, on Sunday morning, they will be full and they will accomplish zero for the cause of Christ. All they did is fill a slot for a couple of hours. They make no difference in the cause of Christ, no difference in eternity. They come, they, get, they, they pat themselves on the back all these big words that they don't even understand, the person speaking to them don't even understand, but they're of no profit. Friend, I have one goal when I stand up here Sunday morning, Sunday night, 
and Wednesday night, I want to preach the Word of God as it is in the terms it uses so that you can be built as a Christian, so that you can be edified as a Christian. And I can't explain to you how it all happens, but I know this is a supernatural book. And if you listen to the Word of God, it cleans you. If you listen to the Word of God, it grows you. You start doing what the Bible says, your life will improve. You will grow as a Christian. I can't explain it other than it is the power of God. But I could use a a lot more fancier words, and it'd make no difference in your life. It'd make no difference. Why? Because they are words to no profit. He says, Timothy, you keep that which has been committed to you. Bring to remembrance that which has been committed to you. You better watch those words of no profit. Then he says, secondly, that one was easy compared to number two. He gives the purpose of their words. Friend, you and I have got to understand that from whence this contemporary movement comes, this emerging church movement comes from, it's, a, it's an evil place. It's, it's from the enemies of the cross. That's where it is from. Now, I'm not saying everybody who parrots this knows that and, and would propagate that if they knew where it came from. But these who lay down the truth, that which has been given to them, they're going to have all, and they pick up this false doctrine, this false religion, they're going to have a lot to answer to because of the purpose of the words. Paul says, keep it. You better watch those words. Notice what he says in verse 14 again. That they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Why would we use words that do nothing for a believer? Wouldn't that be a waste of time? Absolutely. So if we have the same purpose that God has, I want to edify the believer, I want to help build the church, I want to encourage the child of God today, I want to challenge us to go out and win a lost world to Christ. If that's the heartbeat of God, and we all have the heartbeat of God, why would we ever use vain words? Why would we ever use that words do not build? We wouldn't. The purpose of us gathering together is so that we can be built by the Word of God. Because the words have a motive. The phrases have a purpose. That's why they were created. Their purpose, second of all, is to unsettle the hearer. The scripture says, but to the subverting of the hearers. Listen to the definition of the word subvert. You with me still? To corrupt. To confound. To pervert the mind and turn it from the truth. That is a definition of a Bible word. Let me give it to you again. To corrupt, to confound, to pervert the mind and turn it from the truth. These phrases and words that the contemporary crowd uses 
have a distinct purpose. What is that purpose? To subvert the hearer, to corrupt them, to confound them, to pervert their mind and turn it from the truth. Those phrases of empty words, many that I used earlier, they have one purpose in mind. That's to confuse you. And some of you have had them used on you, and you haven't had an answer. Fear not. You're not alone. Most independent Baptist pastors haven't had an answer either. What's the answer? Nothing. To get you off of what you're supposed to be on. To confuse you. To place a seed of doubt in your mind because the goal is to subvert, to overthrow, to corrupt the mind and turn it from the truth. Remember that when I get to the end and, 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 I, and I give us what the Bible says we're to do with all of this. Because the goal is to confuse the Christian. Why, why is it that so many get saved and they go into... I, I've led people to Christ and, they, and, and the boom, they're gone into one of these contemporary churches. Because th- there's a purpose on the phrase is to confuse them, to corrupt them, overthrow their faith. Th- that is the purpose of it, is to twist, to get you thinking things. You're, there's, there's nothing to it. See, the... Words and vain babblings, these phrases, these, this, fo- the, the, this crowd, they, they ta- take the focus off of the truth and place it on personality and in the process. They, 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 they cloud, in the process, they cloud the truth with human reasoning and passions. Let me say that again because it's a little disjointed. The focus comes off of the truth and is placed on personality and it clouds the truth with human reasoning and passions. When I'll, I'll use one. I'll, I'll use it again in a minute. But you say, well, we have authentic worship. That puts in your mind, what, what we're not authentic? What we, we do is not real? Oh, no. Because you're trying to live up to man's standards of what worship. What it is... It's, it's to get you thinking. Is this really what it says? When you're supposed to take this by faith and leave all of your reasoning out of it, all, all, all of your, and just say, this is what God has said, this is what I'm doing. I may not understand all the reasons behind it, but it is faith. It is the cloud, the faith of the believer. There's a, he still calls himself an independent Baptist. He used to be on the West Coast. Now he's up in the Northeast. He has been very public about it. It's time for churches to quit using church words so that the unchurched are not confused. Don't use Bible words because the lost people don't know those. Don't use church words that we've used for centuries because they, they're not aware of them. Well, friend, maybe they should become aware of them. Maybe when they come to church, actually getting Bible terminology might be a positive. 
we take the Holy Spirit out of it. You see, see, why would they do that? They try, no, no, no. There's a purpose behind it. See, we don't want to use the word believe on Jesus Christ. We don't want to use the word uh, conviction. We don't want to use these Bible words because our message is not, a sal- is not salvation. It's not the truth. Their words have a purpose. It sounds good, but I wouldn't want to confuse a visitor. Something just tells me that the Holy Spirit of God can convey what I cannot convey. If He cannot do that, you and I need to hang it up and just go home. Nobody, I've been saved since I was almost five years of age. I've been preaching for a good while now, and there's a lot of things in there I still don't understand. But the Holy Spirit, more and more I'm in it, helps me discern. See, there's a purpose. Are you with me? See, it's designed to place doubt. What is it? You with me? Think back. Timothy gets truth. He gets doctrine. He gets the faith. What are you and I supposed to be concerned with? Truth, doctrine, and the faith. These vain babblings in words of no profit are designed to place doubt in the truth, in doctrine, in faith. I'm going to use some of those phrases again and expound on them. The one, man worship. Well, you independent Baptists, you fundamentalists, you you believe in man worship. Nobody believes in man worship. Unless he's wearing a football helmet. Anyway, anyway, that's a whole other... You, you believe it. You worship the pastor. Friend, I'll be the first to tell you, you start worshiping me, you got rocks in your head. You didn't have to amen that loud there. But what it is, is placing a doubt. The devil is now placing a doubt in your mind about the pastor and his authority and his role in your life. That's exactly what that's for. It's to subvert you. Can I say this? and a lot of people may have a hard time with it, if you're a Christian and you don't have a pastor, you're not living as God would intend for you to to live because He intends for every Christian to have a pastor. if, If there's Christians out there that don't have pastors, one or two things are wrong. There are men who ought to be pastor and then aren't, or there are people who ought to be in church who aren't. It's the under shepherd of the church. Every child of God's supposed to be there. What is it? It's to put a a seed of doubt. What benefit does it give a believer to have a doubt placed in their mind about their pastor? Well, I don't want to agree with everything he says. I might be accused of worshiping him. Trust me, you're here long enough, you won't agree with everything I say. Are, Are you following me? It's designed that way. We love Jesus and not the church. I taught a whole, 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 whole lesson on this. That is designed to get you or somebody who listens to that out of the church. Well, it's just a man-made institution. Next time somebody tells you that, tell them to open their Bible to the Gospels where Jesus founds the church. Tell them to get in their Bible where He says He's the cornerstone, the head of the church. 
And to explain to me how that's a man-made institution. Because somebody help me with that. I can take you to some man-made institutions that meet on, on Sunday morning, but it's not the local New Testament Baptist church. That's not what it is. But they do that so that you will leave the church. Here's a new one. We're, I'm dropping independent fundamental Baptist, and I'm just an unaffiliated Baptist now. You say, well, you're not really, t- it means it the same thing. Why would you drop the word fundamental? Let me just let that hang there for a minute. Unless you wanted to distance yourself from the word fundamental. And your explanation, your explanation of that is, well, the Muslims say they're fundamentalist. And, and they're blowing everybody up, so I don't want to be tied to that. And I've said it before, if you're worried about your church being confused uh, from, from radical Muslims, you've got bigger problems than the name fundamentalist. But yet you'll tweet at a Lakers basketball game how you like players that stick to the fundamentals. I'm a fundamental Baptist because it labels me. Say, what's the big deal? It's designed. See, if you're not a fundamentalist, you can attack the fundamentals a little bit easier. It's a vain babbling. Millennial. We hear a lot about millennials. I'm not referring to the political side of millennials. But today we're taught, we have to, this postmodern world, we have to look at the millennials and what they think, and how, how they function. And what that is saying is that there's exceptions to truth. There's exceptions to right. I, hate, I feel bad shooting down a whole system of theology with half of a verse of Scripture. Truth endureth to all generations... It's the same. Um, In the originals, those of us who are accurate and correct and believe that the King James Bible is the inspired, preserved, infallible Word of God, sometimes these who forsake the truth of Scripture, they want to attack what we believe. They want to attack... It's Well, in the originals it says this, Now, they do that because you've never seen the original. I've never seen the original. Time out. How do they know what's in the original? But let me tell you why they say that. Because they want to place a seed of doubt in your mind that that this King James Bible is God's Word. That's, That's why I can tell a good bit about a man, what he believes, if on his website his statement of faith is, well, we, believe that we, we have the King James Bible, but we believe in the originals it's inspired. I know exactly what they believe right there. That's inspired right there. That's preserved right there. That's God's Word right there. But you see these words? Are, are you following me tonight? They have a purpose. They have a design to plant a seed of doubt. I refer to it authentic worship. You hear that, and it's like, well, I want to be... I don't want to be fake. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Am I not doing it right? What they're doing is they're attacking standards and propriety. 
And we're living it. Well, you just, you, you just, you just live up to, to man's standard of worship. No, 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 no. That's, that's what you do with, with the color lights and the smoke machines and the rock bands. That's man's standards. God's standard is we cry, holy, holy, holy. We listen to the Word of God preached to us, but they use that authentic. We're authentic. We're real. You can come as you are. And can I just go on the record as saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not coming as you are. Thank you for cleaning up a little bit before you came. Thank you for not dressing like you go down to Walmart before you came. Thank you for that. And when I ask some of these, almost said jokers, I don't want to call them jokers, I almost ask some of these individuals, you don't want to dress up to preach the Word of God because you want to be authentic on your stool and you want to look more like a pirate than a preacher and, and, and oh, I could go on and on. And, and you want to be authentic and real so the people know that you're on their level. You want, to, you want to be that way. Why in the world do you put on a tie when you do a wedding? Oh, you don't believe in authentic weddings? You don't believe in the... No, what you're saying is that's a bigger deal than opening the Word of God and saying, Thus saith the Lord. But it's designed to put a seed of doubt in the hearer. Not too difficult so far, is it? We're almost through. Last page of notes. The third thing I want you to see, he warns you about the words. I don't have four points tonight. I only have three, just so you know. Unless you count my conclusion. He says, but to the, to the subverting of the hearers, we'll look at verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Verse 21 of chapter 6, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. He says, the vain babblings, these words of no profit, they take you a direction. He says, profane and vain babblings lead to doctrinal error and ungodliness. Have erred from the faith. Will increase unto more ungodliness. Let me just read the statements because I am out of time. The crowd that uses terms and words designed to subvert and not strengthen. And by the way, the day you can come to church and you not get anything out of it, 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 it there's, there's two problems there. If I leave this book, you're not going to be built. You're not going to be edified. But if you're looking to have your flesh entertained and you go to a Bible preaching church, it's not going to be entertained. But those, the crowd that uses terms and words designed to subvert and not strengthen. Why in the world would I want to weaken your faith? Why in the world would I want to make you a weaker Christian? A more shallow Christian? Why in the world would you come in here on Sunday hoping to get some truth, hoping to get your faith built up and me put seeds of doubt in it? But that crowd that uses terms and words designed to subvert and not strengthen are those leaving truth and embracing carnality. This is a practical fact 
in, in, in the sense that you can look at these churches and people who have embraced the terminology that I've used tonight, and they are not the same positionally today as they were when they embraced it. They are not godlier today. They are more carnal. Meaning, well, we have these ministry standards, but at home, we don't care what you do. We don't care how you live. I don't, I'm not going home with you to check on how you live, but I'm going to say, you ought to be a Christian at home too. You ought to be holy at home too. That's not very authentic to be one way at church and a different way at home. It is designed to draw you away from truth. I'll give you an example that is popular. The big thing, a relationship with Christ. Check on your visitor's card or your bulletin if you'd like to start your relationship with Christ today. Well, who in the world would not want to have a relationship with Christ? Check. Congratulations. You're saved. We had 12 converts in the service today. Next week when you get baptized, you get a free t-shirt that says, My New Walk in Christ. And, Dean, we've had the baptisms too. You say you're making light of it. It it keeps me from getting angry. Because somebody looking for the truth, say, my grandmother was a Baptist. There's a Baptist church. Let me go in there. Oh, I want to have a relationship with Christ. See, you say, are you saying that those people, that they're going to think they're saved and go to hell? Well, friend, no conviction, no confession, no conversion. That's, that's, that's just the bottom line. They are designed to take people away from the truth, doctrinal error, carnality. You don't believe me? Oh, you believe me because you see the way these people live. You see there's no holiness. You see the direction they're going. And friend, I, I want to know the conclusion of the matter. Here comes some new thing again. First of all, where did it originate from? If it originates out of some church or some movement that's not the Bible, I'm not interested in it. But where's it going to take me? Before I grab a new idea that comes floating down and say, hey, I think this will get some people in church before I throw it in, I ought to know the doctrine behind it. I ought to know the end result of it. It's designed, it's true because you can see it practically. you still with me? But the Bible tells us they will increase Unto more ungodliness. That's what the words are designed to do. If you have truth, if you have doctrine, if you have the faith, and you hold to it, and you adhere to it, it will make you more godly or less godly? More. If you don't keep it. And these words that come in, these phrases that come in, these vain babblings that have no value, have no strength, have no building quality, they come in and they get, they get you distracted and, and they, get, they put seeds of doubt. It's, they're created to subvert. It's right here in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. It, it, this, that's what it's created for. It says it will take you to more ungodliness. Now, conclusion. How, and it's as long as the 
message. How do we keep that which is committed to us? I've been handed a very valuable thing in the truth. Do you not think Timothy realized the value? How many times did Paul write, we've been talking about it, you knew my persecutions, you knew my trials. Timothy knew all that Paul had to do was he had to recant the truth, recant the faith, recant the doctrine, and the beatings would have stopped. Persecution would have ended. Timothy was an eyewitness to that, and he said, if it's, if it's, if it's that valuable, well, he'll endure the affliction, he'll endure the scourging, he'll endure the pain, he'll endure the shame, and one day it's going to take his life. Oh, this is the blood of the church. This is, this is from Jesus Christ himself. I, I can't dare let go of this. I've got to hang on to this. Paul says, you better listen to those words. And I, and he, and I guarantee you, Timothy, he was paying attention and he was taking note and, and he was listening. He said, I don't want to, I want to avoid these vain babblings. Stay away from them. I've got to hold on to them. Friend, that truth that I have tonight is the same truth. The doctrine I have is the same doctrine. The faith I have is the same faith. We talked about in the book of Jude, the common salvation. The same way they got saved on the pages of the New Testament is the same way I got saved when I was a four-year-old boy and bowed my head in my heart. It's a common salvation. That's what I have. It's important. I want to keep it. And your smooth words, I'm going to pry it from my fingers. So how do we keep it? Don't you want to keep the faith? See, what some of you, so some of you, you're going to have to be tempted down the line, and you young couples especially listen, because right now your kids are this big. You think, well, I've got plenty of time, and, 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 and there's more to life, and I, I need to start achieving some things. But you're not thinking about, and when you go to these emerging, these contemporary churches, your little boy, your little girl, uh, your, your kids, they might get saved here. So they'll go with you, they'll be saved. But that what you're getting there isn't salvation. It isn't truth. I would hate to think that I grew up in a home where the truth was taught to me and I was saved. I took my kids to a place where they would never hear a gospel presentation. They can check a box. So grandma and granddad, I check their salvation as they get older. But let me actually get to the conclusion. How do we keep that which is committed? How do we keep in remembrance? Number one, look at verse 14. Everybody, everybody still with me? Everybody okay? It's raining. Y'all don't want to get wet. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord. First of all, remember your audience. The Lord is our audience. Whose book is this? It's God's. It's God's word. I have no right to change it. I have no right to add to it. It's God's word. He is our audience before the Lord. It's His faith. It's His doctrine. It's His truth. Well, I don't agree with that. I'm sure God wishes He'd have passed out surveys to this generation of rebels to get their opinion on it, but He didn't. It's His truth. It's His doctrine. It's His faith. I, don't have, I shouldn't even have an opinion. It's His. Guess who's out there? It's mine. Because I'm going to adopt it. Remember your audience. We come in here to church. I'm not in here on Sunday morning to try and impress the world. 
I want to, I want to reach, I want to reach heaven with what we do. I want him to be comfortable with our style of quote unquote worship. See, the true champion of truth must be willing to remove himself and remember the cause is not his but Christ. I don't live to please myself. I should live to please him. I, we, we, don't, we, we don't function as a church to please us. We should do it to please Him. And, and if we were created in His image, which we were, if we were created and He gave us a purpose for life, which He did, and if we're saved and we're now a child of His, and the only way to fulfill and make ourselves and make us happy is to please Him. Okay, the first one is remember your audience. Second thing is found in verse number 15. I wish I had more time to, to, to dissect this verse, but we'll do it another time. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Study. You know what we're doing tonight? We're studying. You know what you want to do in your, in your private time? Study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. No study, you're going to be ashamed. No study, you're not going to rightly divide. And by the way, you can take a, a, a book of, of, of religious sayings and principles, and if you remove the Holy Spirit of God out of your leadership and you quench Him and you grieve Him, you're not getting Holy Spirit direction. I told my wife this today. I was these, these subjects. I, 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 I've, I've started studying them over seven years ago. Not you think as long as this is. You think I've been working on this one for seven years. But today I was pacing, I was studying all I was pacing all around the house, all around the house, all around the house. Wife's like, are you ready tonight? I know what I'm doing, but I'm not ready. It's like I have all these pieces on the table. You should have seen what I left on the table tonight. But God, you got to put it together so I can present it. Then all of a sudden, Holy Spirit of God, just put precept upon precept upon precept. It, you got to have God do that. But you got to have study. Study. You, you know why pastors are getting deceived by this? They're not studying. They're not in the Word of God. They're hanging out with their college buddies still. Instead of getting in their study, getting in their prayer closet, and they have to study. Here's a big one. This is where I would lose some people. Nobody here, but some people. Verse 16 says, But shun profane and vain babblings. Verse 20 of chapter 6, he says, Avoiding profane and vain babblings. We, do we know there's the reality of them? That word shun means to avoid, not to mix or associate with. He says, Timothy, keep that which I've committed. Chapter 2, verse 2. Timothy, you commit to other faithful men what's been committed to you. Verse 14, you, you remember that there's words of no profit. They're created to subvert the hearer, the listener. You shun profane. Yes, study. There's a lot of men also who study. There's Christians who study, but they don't avoid. They don't shun. Friend, I'm not going to their conferences. I'm not going to. I'm not reading their books. I, I, I'm not. I'm not following them on social media. Um, I'm not doing it at all. Why? Because I want to be scriptural. Oh, what about unity with the brethren? I believe in unity with the brethren, not with those propagating a false teaching and a false salvation. It says to avoid them. 
Don't mix or associate with them. I made a statement not too long ago that, and it's so true, and I'm reminded of it over and over again. God takes this stuff more serious than we do. The longer I get into it, I, I mean, I get troubled spirit. Because spiritual warfare is real. I get a troubled spirit because I can see that last day's theology. And it's creep from outside of independent, fundamental, Baptist churches. And there's some ministries that are big old funnels at the top. And it is pumping into our churches. Because people don't want to shun vain babblings. I'm not, can you, I've had these guys, well explain, we, we are this and this, what do you think? I don't think anything of it. I'm not wasting my time talking to you. I'm not wasting my time explaining to you why I believe this. You wouldn't understand. It's called faith. It's called Holy Spirit. You wouldn't. I'm not wasting my time. I'm not arguing with them. I'm not debating them. I'm not, we're not having, we have our staff meeting, pastoral staff meeting in the morning. We're not going to sit there and say, okay, guys, let's, get, let's huddle up and find out how we can become more relevant with society. I taught last Thursday, Wednesday night that we're, we're going to become less and less relevant as far as society is concerned the, the, the closer we get to Christ's coming. Shun the profane. You know what? For you and I, for, for, for you as the church member, you as a Christian, Bible words are good enough. And long before you see the doctrine change, long before you see the shift from godliness to ungodliness, Listen to the words. It's a tip. That's why there's, when I decide, and I'm, a, you know, I'm probably saying too much. Well, actually that ship sailed about 30 minutes ago, but when we were looking for colleges to send. Said, did you visit them all? Nope. I'd already marked some off because of the vain babblings that come out. Well, I know that they check all of the boxes, maybe today. See, rightly dividing the word of truth, that's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because you keep yourself out of trouble, but it's a curse because you see some things way long before other people see them. But friend, let's you and I, let's study, stay in the word of God. This would not be a very popular lesson in a lot of places. It's Bible. That serpent was more subtle. You can take an, a room full of Baptist theologians, and Satan is smarter than they are. I would dare say he knows the Bible better than he knows than they know it. But yet we can handle taking a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here. Let's just stick with the Bible. We, we're a vintage church. Well, this goes back pretty far. I think that's pretty original, the New Testament church. Stay with the truth. Don't get enamored with this new stuff that comes out. Uh, don't get enamored with it. If it doesn't come from the Word of God, not in the Word of God. Keep. You, you second and third generation. I, and we're way past time, so I'm just going to go for it. You Stay with the truth. Keep it. 
But I'm, I'm making my own way. No, you put the truth down. The Bible also refers to truth falling in the street. I wonder how truth got in the street. Let's keep the truth. Let's hold on to the truth. 